0: Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3 says call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. 2nd Chronicles seven fourteen says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven will forgive their sin and heal their land. For weeks weeks i have heard these three words over and over again in my spirit if my people over and over again when i pray when i when i meditate on the things of god if my people and i've preached several messages out of this particular passage of scripture and if i had to if i had to make this this would be part three today of if my people how do we respond to this current storm that we're going through? How do we navigate these uncertain times that we're living in? The Apostle Paul describes our day in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. He says, know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. If you read that from the New Living Translation, it says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. The Amplified Bible says it this way, but understand this, that in the last days uh, will come, set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear, that we are living in perilous times. Another translation defined these as dangerous times. Perilous, difficult, times of great stress and trouble describes the day that we are currently experiencing. If you read the news and if you watch the news, it's filled with images of violence and anger. We hear talk about defunding the police department. We hear talk about uh, systemic racism. And, and we see in the streets violence and anger in our nation. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 says these are very difficult, dangerous times. 1 uh, Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 says that the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So we're living in times of danger and times of deception. What can we do? How do we respond? Well, I believe Jeremiah 33 three holds an answer. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So how do we respond to the storm? Do we respond in fear or do we respond in faith? We respond in believing prayer. Colossians 4 verse 2 says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in, in it with thanksgiving. If we don't pray, who will? If the church of the Lord Jesus Christ does not go to the altar and pray and seek the face of God, then who's going to pray? I believe God is issuing a call today simply saying, if my people, if my people, the word if and then, those are covenant language, if we pray, then will I hear from heaven and heal your land. God is looking for a people today who will stand in the gap, who will make up the hedge, who will pray and seek the face of God. The battle we're facing is a spiritual battle. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If my people is not a cry of anger, it is not a cry of vengeance, but is a cry for God's intervention into our circumstances. When will we experience breakthrough? When will we see our families saved and serving the Lord? When will we experience God's presence in a greater way? If my people. If my people will call on the name of the Lord. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Perhaps you feel helpless today. Some days we do feel helpless. We feel overwhelmed. How do we navigate these these floodwaters? How do we navigate this storm? Maybe you've lost your hope today. Be careful that you don't buy into the deception of this age. Don't be moved by what you see, but be moved by what the Lord is speaking and saying to his covenant children. Revelation chapter 2 verse 29 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. How do we hear the voice of God? Well, call to me, and I will answer you. This morning, I want to challenge each of you that are here in this room and those that are watching me through this media. I want to challenge you to make prayer a priority. I want to challenge you to make your personal devotional time with God a priority. Don't let things crowd it out. Don't let things move it aside. But set aside time that you can pray and you can intercede. And you can cry out to God. Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. This morning I want to speak to you for a few moments on this passage in Jeremiah 33, 3 on what it means to call out to God in prayer. Notice firstly, we call. We do the calling. Call to me, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, and I will answer you. The Hebrew word there for call is the word kara. It means to, to call out to someone, to cry out, to address someone, to shout or speak out, to proclaim. Korah means it often describes calling out loudly in an attempt to get someone's attention or calling upon the Lord or upon his name. Sometimes korah means uh, to name something, to call it by name as God did when he called the light day and the darkness night. This is more than just a casual prayer. And oftentimes when we gather as a family, we'll say, we'll say a prayer. This is more than just a prayer over the meal. This is more than just a casual prayer. This is more than just a prayer that we pray to open up a service. This is a, a prayer, it is a cry out of the depths of our soul. Cry out to me. Call to me could mean to cry out. This is more than just reciting a prayer from a prayer book. This is passionate prayer. Passionate prayer is prevailing prayer. What does it mean to prevail in prayer? It means to pray until we experience a divine breakthrough into our circumstances and into our lives. In Luke chapter 18 verse 1, Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. What does it mean to lose heart? Well, one translation says it this way, men ought always to pray and not to faint. To lose heart is to give up. To lose heart is to say, I I just don't know if God's going to hear my prayer or not. But he said, men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Some years ago, in the Promise Keepers movement, we used the following acronym, PUSH, which means pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. Pray until the breakthrough comes. Pray until God answers from heaven. Too often we give up when we're on the brink of our breakthrough. So we must learn to persevere in prayer until the answer comes. Persistent prayer will be passionate prayer. James 5:16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I want to read it from the Amplified Bible the earnest heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available dynamic in its working fervent prayer is prayer that has power energy and life in it it is a prayer that is on fire it is a prayer that is passionate if my people will call out or cry out to me We need to cry out to God in prayer. Now, there are times to pray quietly. There are times when you can just pray kind of in your spirit. There are times when you don't have to draw attention to yourself, but there are other times where you have to get along with God and you have to cry out from the depth of your innermost being and you've got to cry out because there's something down inside of you that has to be released outside of you. We've known in Pentecostal circles for our passionate praying. We're known, somebody says, you guys pray loud. Well, sometimes you've got to release that cry out of your heart. Sometimes you've got to release that shout out of your heart. If my people will cry out to me, God is looking for some people today who will pray with passion. I've come this morning looking for someone who's willing to cry out until we experience God's divine intervention. I've come this morning to stir up the gift, to call you back to that place of passionate prayer. Passionate prayer could be defined as a devotion to prayer. It is prayer that seeks the Lord with all of our hearts. Listen to the words of Jesus as he describes a passionate believer. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In Jeremiah chapter 29, we know verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Fans to give you a future and give you a hope. But do we know verses 12 and 13, it says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. If you want Jeremiah twenty nine, eleven, you've got to pay the price of Jeremiah 12, 29, 12, and 13, and that is to seek the Lord and search for him with all your heart. Passionate prayer is prayer that is spirit led, spirit directed, and spirit inspired. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. God is looking for some people today who will cry out in prayer to him, Call to me. And notice what he promises. He said, if you'll call, then he'll answer. Jeremiah 33, three says, call to me and I'll answer you. What a powerful promise in this passage of scripture. We call, but he answers. We call, but he answers. All of us today have phones. I remember when we didn't have these things. My first phone was a bag phone. You put a you put a uh, an antenna on the top of your car. I had a little pickup truck and I'd put the antenna out there and I had a bag phone. It cost 30 cent a minute to talk on that phone. So when you called, you didn't talk very long. Honey, I'm on the way home, bye, click. <laughs> it was $30 a month and 30 cent a minute. So depending on how much you talked on that particular phone. And then we went from that to that big brick, you know. And I remember my first pastorate, I knew every, almost every member's phone number by heart And I would call them very often on the phone at home, a home phone. Anybody remember those? That was the thing attached to the wall. We all had one. And usually the cord where we had talked on it was either broken and we'd have to replace the cord very often. And if somebody was out of the office or somebody wasn't at home, you couldn't connect with them. But now we're all connected 24-7. You can't hardly go in a restaurant and have a conversation with somebody at the table that your phone's not ringing or somebody around you is ringing. I was in a meeting the other day and had seven, eight text messages right in a row. And then the individual I was meeting with had several phone calls right in a row. And he said, I need to answer this. I said, go ahead. So we had to interrupt our meal to take care of answering those phones. But I remember a time when you could be away from the phone and nobody could find you. Those were good days. Amen. You'd have to call them back. They'd have to leave a a voice message for you. But here's the thing about the Lord. He don't have voicemail. He's never unavailable. We call and he answers. This scripture is very similar to Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Call to me and I'll answer you. If my people who are called by name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Andrew Murray says, shut the world out. Withdraw from all worldly thoughts and occupations. Shut yourselves in alone with God and pray to Him in secret. Let this be your chief object in prayer to realize the presence of your Heavenly Father. When we spend time in the presence of the Lord, we learn to discern His voice. Listening takes discipline, and we must become good listeners. God is always speaking. The question is not, is God speaking, but are we listening? God is speaking, he's not silent, Hebrews 3, 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit saith today, today, if you will hear his voice, verse 8 says this, harden not your hearts as in the rebellion. 1 Kings 19, 12, Elijah heard God in a speak in a still, small voice. Then in Psalms 18, 13, the Lord also thundered in the heavens and the Most High uttered his voice. What is it that keeps us from hearing God? What is it that keeps us from becoming listeners? Busyness? Schedules? Ministry? Sometimes you can get so busy in ministry that you don't take time to listen to the voice of God. You see, we cry out. We call, but he answers. 1 Peter 3.12 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. 1 John 5, 15, and we know that he hears us whatever we ask. We know we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me, and I will answer you. And I love this passage in Psalms 34, verse 17, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. God answers prayer. Man, that's good news today. God answers. Answers prayer. And he answers passionate prayer. Exodus 3, 7-9 says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up from a land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Then he says this, To the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel has come to me and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. God sees the oppression that we're dealing with. Oppression is heaviness. Oppression is an attack of the enemy. Oppression puts us into bondage. Oppression drives us down. And I want to tell you God wants to lift you up. God wants to break the power of oppression off of you. Years ago when I was pastoring in Maryland, there was a precious little Italian lady. And I can always remember her. She would quote that scripture many, many times. She would say, do not trust in oppression. Do not trust in oppression. We can't put our trust in oppression. We have to look to the Lord. And God is saying, call to me and I will answer you. I'll answer you your questions i'll answer your request i'll give you the desires of your heart he knows our sorrows he knows our pain he knows what we're walking through and in exodus 3 verse 80 says this i have come down to deliver them think about it the children of israel been in bondage the children of israel were enslaved by the egyptians and their cries went up before the throne of god And God says, I've heard the cry of my children. I'm going to remember the promise that I made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have a promise. This congregation has promises. And if we cry out to God, I believe God will remember those promises. And he will come down to deliver us. Some of you today are in need of deliverance. You need breakthrough." You need God to move on your behalf. Some of you have issues with your job. Some of you have issues in your family. Some of you are dealing with issues in your health. And today you need the God of heaven to intervene for you. So I just invite you to cry out to him. He's a healer. He can heal a broken heart. He can deliver us from the pain of grief. He can deliver us from from our suffering. He can bring us out of oppression. He can do that today. But all we have to do is his children, the Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Sometimes we don't know what to say. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. I think we could just cry out, Jesus! Jesus! And when we do that, when we cry out the name of the Lord, there's power in that name. There's help in that name. There's hope in that name. There's deliverance in that name. There's no other name given under heaven whereby men might be saved but the name of Jesus. Didn't notice lastly this thing. We call. He answers. But thirdly, he reveals secrets. He reveals secrets. Jeremiah 33 3 says, Call to me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know i'll show you great and mighty things that word mighty there can be translated from the hebrew as secret things call to me and i'll answer you and show you great and secret things those are things that you do not know my father and the lord brother john b todd just went home to be with jesus 90 years young a few weeks ago And I sure miss him. I miss his counsel. I miss his prayers. And there were many times that he and I prayed together, especially over the last year uh, via telephone. We prayed together. And and last year I was able to go down and spend a little time with him. And we knew. He kept telling me, I'm going home. I'm soon. I'm going home. God's going to carry me home. And he was excited about it. And we can be excited about going home as believers when it's our time. He used to teach me this, and I've never forgotten this. He said, Terry, the Holy Spirit down on the inside of you has never been afraid. The Holy Spirit down on the inside of you has never not known what to do. The Holy Spirit down on the inside of you has never been confused or out of sorts. You have inside information. We have inside information. And the Holy Spirit wants to reveal secrets to you. God has secrets to share with his covenant people. There are people that we know that we can share things with. Some of us have family members, maybe a brother or a sister that we're very close to. And we know we can share things with that brother or that sister. Or perhaps we have a really good friend that we confide in. And we know that that the things we share with them will stay in their confidence. You know that God has secrets he wants to share with you. When we cry out to God, He answers and shows us secrets. Let me give you some scripture, First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine and ten. And this is often quoted out of context. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Oftentimes we stop right there and we say, Eyes not seen, ears not heard. But look at the next verse, verse ten. It says, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. What's God saying here? He's saying that the Holy Spirit down on the inside of you wants to reveal things to you that are deep things, the deep things of God. He wants to bring you into a new depth in your walk and your relationship with Him. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 19. I love this passage. That the God of your Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Who is the spirit of wisdom and revelation? It's the Holy Spirit down inside of us. What does he want to do? Notice verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Think about that. Then it says this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? God has secrets he wants to share with us. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. God wants to open up the pages of this book to us. He wants to open up the revelation of this book to us and show us things in this book that will empower us to live an overcoming life you see you can study this book I've studied this book all of my life I've been to Bible college and all of those things I've done all of that I'm still looking at this book and I'm still trying to trying to grasp all that it is and I think I'll spend a lifetime doing that and I won't all grasp all that is in this book and all the revelation that God has But you see, the secret things belong to God. And God can give you a word of knowledge. He can give you a word of wisdom. He can speak something into your heart. Sometimes when you're facing something and you don't know what to do, you need to cry out to God until God answers. And when God answers, he may reveal the secret of what you're facing, the enemy and how he's coming against you. And he will give you a strategy as to how to pray and how to overcome the enemy. In Daniel chapter 2. Verse 20 through 22, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. And look at verse 22. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. He reveals deep and secret things. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me, and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I found this story, and I want to close with this. From Wellington, New Zealand, two gentlemen, Grant Stubbs and Owen Wilson, were flying up the sloping valley of Polora Sound in New Zealand admiring the beautiful panoramic view then there was a cough bless you owing for what grant said your cough i didn't cough oh then there was a wheeze and a sputter then silence as the micro light plane engine died both men turned out to be christians they told the associated press that they both immediately prayed to god for help he said he prayed during the ill-fated flight Sunday that the tiny craft would get over the top of a ridge and that they would find a landing site that was not too steep or in the nearby sea. Wilson said that the pair would have been in deep trouble if the fuel had run out five minutes earlier. If it had to run out, that was the place to be, he said. There was an instantaneous answer to prayer as we crossed the ridge And there was an airfield I didn't know existed till then. After Wilson glided the powerless craft to a landing on the grassy strip, the pair noticed that they were beside a 20-foot tall sign that read, Jesus is Lord, and then underneath, the Bible. When we saw that, we started laughing, Stubbs said. God answered prayer on a plane.